I'm Mitch. I'm Keith. And this is the Layman's Term Show. The Layman's Term Show, where a couple lay people, not, not clergy, clergy, talk about where life and faith intersect and have some fun conversations. Hey, welcome back, Hey, Mitch. Keith, here we are. Hey, another great, glorious day. Oh, but this is the greatest and glorious of our podcast uh, on Welcome on the Layman's Term Show, and uh, but today it's not, because uh, we, invaded. we brought a clergy. <laughs> oh, no. Welcome, Pastor, Senior Pastor Adam Musto, to our ranks. Yay. Yay. I heard you guys were getting some views, so I had to come crash the party. There you go. <laughs> so, so the Change show, the direction show the is <laughs> show is normally normally restricted for a uh, lady, but with our clergy here, uh, Adam, you got to answer a question for us: Are you or are you not clergy? I am. He is, folks. Guilty as charged. Clergy uh. in the room. So, tell us, uh, give us a little bit of background on, uh, give us a little bit of overview background on me. Yeah, on you. Yeah. Got two kiddos. Got uh, been happily married for fifteen years now. Been in the Kansas City area since 2015. Been a part of First United Methodist since 2019. Love doing barbecue and chiefs and all the stereotypical things. And how long have you been in ministry? Since 2003. So 20 years. Wow. All right. Well, um, we have you on the show today because we want to discuss and learn more and kind of frame up the mission and vision part of the local church, which our local church is First United Methodist Church here in Kearney, Missouri. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, about the mission? Sure. So our church has the same mission with, I guess, a slightly different take of the United Methodist Church as a whole, and that's to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's that little word new that has phased in and out of the um, the umc as a whole um but th that to us is uh part and parcel with the mission and it's it's been great to have had that be stable uh for some time now and when you're saying umc as a whole you're talking churches all over the world all over the world philippines europe africa yep all so over the place it's a shared it's some, we're united by that shared mission yep. as methods part of a global movement of uh methodism in the world yep wow all right so uh, explain then, if we've, if we've got that as our mission, what kind of uh, creates this uniqueness of at the local church level? What do the local churches do to, um, to use, in their context, pursue achieving that mission in, in their mission field? Yeah, because it's kind of broad, right? Like mm -hmm. to create new, new disciples, right? But that's like kind of a really broad statement. So at some point you have to like narrow that down and yeah. talk about how so the local do Yeah, it, so right? the local churches kind of have autonomy of doing that in their context. Yeah, that's it's you guys are right on. It's it's pretty broadly defined and there's probably a lot of ways to go about it too. So how we define discipleship, uh, we've got some I think basic marks when you look at historic Wesleyan tenets of faith. But the Methodist Church for for good and ill has a lot of leeway for how this mission gets accomplished. If I can give you food analogy, it's sort of like when you log on to PizzaHut.com, you kind of enter your zip code to find your local deals. Right. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. You get, you get yeah. your local coops. And so in the same way, that's one of the things I love about the Methodist Church is it gives us the the leeway or the the freedom to define what that looks like here in Kearney and in our area. So for us, that mission 
you know, should be very stable. If, if, if you have a mission that changes every six months, you may not have a, have a solid okay. mission, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the kind of parameters around that, or in addition to that, how you carry that mission out is really what we've taken up to define over the last year and a half or so. Um, you and I have talked a little bit about we don't always want to begin every sentence with, well, during COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, are you supposed to turn this thing? Oh, oh my. no. See, I was Mitch, in charge what of the Santa doing, dude? That's I'm right. just new. I'm, oh, hey, I'm, I'm helping gosh. out. But, Terrible. you know, during COVID, I think a lot of us, and I'll just, if I can confess, our mission in my mind was to survive. Sure. You yeah. know, just to keep going. Just to, Physically to and through. organizationally. <laughs> yes, yeah. in every way. But that's not that's not inspiring. That doesn't honor God. And so we really sat down to try and think, okay, we're on the other side of a lot of this. We're, we're more than crawling back. And if your organization's mission is self-perpetuation, mm-hmm. you probably need to do a little better than that. Well, here for the folks, uh, frame up kind of that organizational um, structure of governance that we have here at the local church level. Right, like, so like you didn't come up with Yeah, this isn't this you stuff, on an right? island right. Um, coming up with great ideas. The, explain that structure of that organization and what they're called and who's on that team. Yeah, I think, again, there's pros and cons with any way you structure any organization. For some folks, they're familiar with maybe what might be called elders in, in their church, mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of a board of folks. Um, sometimes those same elders can be installed for like, it's like a lifelong term. Mm. And again, there's pros and cons to, to any of this, but in the Methodist church, it's, it's very intentionally a lay driven movement in terms of the leadership of the church. We don't want it to be just around one person's personality, or, uh, we think that spreading around that authority is really good. And it's not the pastor's church. It's all, we share this church together. So in the Methodist Church, you have elected officials that serve in, in one of three main capacities. There's SPR, Staff Parish Relations, which is like the HR wing of the church. Mm-hmm. They help mm-hmm. with the staff and, and think about imp- things of an employment nature. You have trustees, which manage the assets of the church, like this microphone was approved in somewhere down the line by a trustee budget. And then you have... Uh, the finance team, and they help oversee the budget of the church, the finances of the church, and uh, all those those three entities work together in various capacities at different churches. But at our church, they all function as one board, and it's very efficient because you have these three committees that come together and can make decisions mm-hmm. together instead of well, finance met last week, so we got to wait six weeks until they meet again, right? Yeah. And everything just slows down even more. So without getting too into the weeds on all that, those officers that serve in those roles are elected, nominated and elected by the church, and they roll on and off every uh, as a three-year term. All right. So how many of them are there? We've got 10 at our church. Okay. We have three on each of those committees I talked through, and then we have a chair that kind of okay. functions as uh, a liaison between the staff and the leadership team. That's what we call it, leadership team. Leadership team. So it could be called ad council at your church, could be called... Um, an elder board, if you're familiar with some of that language, we call it leadership team. And that number can change depending on the church, maybe the size of the church or... Yeah, it's, or I think um, it's the prescription for, uh, we call it the one board model, is 9 to 15 individuals. Okay, okay. Yep. Yep. So we have these we have these 10 folks at this um, at our local church level, this leadership team, and um, they kind of you know, ratify every year that we're going to, we're sticking with the same mission that's, you know, shared across Global United Methodism, but also um, recently pretty excited within the last year and a half or last year mainly, um, 
we we have underway this process of implementing uh, a lot of this great work they did on a retreat. You want to tell us about that? Yes. There was, again, this, this thought of, okay, we don't want to just have our mission be our own survival. What do we feel God calling us to within that same mission? So in some ways, not a lot changed. Really, the conversation was, how are we going to go about doing this? And there was a uh, I guess a framework you might call it, or a, a system for addressing mm-hmm. how to do this well by someone named Will Mancini. And that book was called Church Unique. And he read another book, which is a great book called Future Church. And he outlines, when I say this out loud, it's going to sound very basic, but you have this mission of the church to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Okay, that sounds very biblical and sounds very official. Mm-hmm. Well, when you start breaking that down, well, how, what's a disciple? Mm. I think we've got some good traction around who Jesus is, but even that sometimes can be different strokes for different folks. Mm. And what does transformation look like? Mm. So once you actually start peeking under the hood of that thing, you still got some explaining to do, right? Yeah, you got yeah. a lot of work yeah. involved. <laughs> That's right, because you could have a lot of different answers, which in some cases is by design in the UMC. So what's that mean? At our church. Yes. What's the local implication? That's right. So the mission would be the basic question in this. If if you're in a church, it doesn't matter because it's any organization should really answer these questions. Again, this is not going to blow your mind. What are we doing? Well, that's our mission. How are we going to do it? So that would be our strategy. Why are we doing it? That would be our values. And then when we've done this thing, how do we know when we're successful? What are the metrics around we determine the efficacy? I'm trying to use some, yeah. some ten dollar words, words here. Big yeah. words. Thank you. That's why you have the degree. Well trying we to elevate try not to use trying to words. elevate the the um uh, now I don't know what word to use, just the linguistic level of the podcast Perfect. here. I'm trying to grace you all with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so what are we doing? How are we doing it? Why are we doing it? And how do we know when we're successful? So clarifying, okay, we've got this mission. We need to clarify that. And in doing so, once you clarify the strategy, the values, and the metrics, well, now you've got a fuller picture. And so the concept that Mancini does is it's called a vision frame. I'll do this for the for the folks on the YouTube. And in the center there, once you've helped define all this, which those the the uh, the exterior of those things, those questions we just went over, those should remain relatively stable. Again, it's kind of like well. It's kind of like if you have seven wide receivers on the Chiefs, you may not have any. Mm, right? Right, <laughs> if you're changing right, missions right. every three months, you may not have one. Uh, but that center, all these things frame up the center, which is where do we feel God is leading us? Okay. And that would be the vision. And that's more, I won't say short term, but that's more fluid because uh, God is not static and our church is not static. And so as, as our community changes and as um, our context continues to evolve, our vision for how we reach folks mm-hmm. in order to become new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, that that vision can change along with the context, even if those other things around the frame stay relatively stable. Yeah, so to use your, your kind of sports football analogy, is you need a game plan that's suited for the game you're getting ready to play, that's, or the game you, you are it. playing, you, don't, you can't use the, necessarily the same game plan for generations, 
That's right. Um, to achieve for the same victory. So. If we want to go dietary needs, the recipe can shift a little bit. We're still trying to cook dinner. Okay. So if we can mix yeah. analogies between sports and food, I think I that, think that's I think you mesh as well into the <laughs> I, into I, the I'm show. Mean, yeah. the, I'm playing into the brand. Here we, we talk, go. We talk a lot about food. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so every every year or so, you guys take a look at it and and kind of say, does this still fit mm -hmm. uh, what we're trying to accomplish? What does this you know does the vision correct? And then and then kind of go through that and then. Um, have those discussions and then either approve it or approve it or change mm -hmm. it or, or whatever. And again, if, if we're redoing this thing every six months, we we'll probably need to do a better job. Right. However, this year, what we really tried to focus on was that metrics question. Mm. How do we know beyond counting things like attendance and quantitative things, how do we begin to take a qualitative look at the outcomes of our ministry? We can look at outputs offering, mm. attendance, and we can rattle off all those stats for you. Uh, but beyond that, what's heartbreaking is there was a massive study done in the early 2010s called the Reveal Study. A church in Chicago did it. Thousands of churches participated. Their number one conclusion was participating in church activities does not actually correlate to spiritual growth. <laughs> which is so disheartening when uh, a lot of your work is around organizing right. spiritual activities. So beyond just be showing up at something and counting people, how do we actually count outcomes? So that was a lot of our conversation this year, and we focused a lot on on the metrics uh, piece of this. Yeah, so let's let's just kind of break it down a little bit into specifics. So we kind of went over the the general structure of the of the uh, vision frame. Mm -hmm. So our specific. You know, our specific vision frame. Um, so the, the vision of the church is a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together, yep. which I think is great. And Mitch and I have um, talked about that on a previous yep. uh, podcast before, just kind of what that means and, um, you know, what it what all that entails. So I think I think we're we're pretty good on that. You want to add anything to the, no, the vision itself? Well, if I could, I'll interject yeah, as, I, as I tend to do. In some ways, like we're all around the same age. We mm -hmm. all like a lot of the same things. In some ways, we're very likely friends here on our podcast. But if you think about coming to ministry, like you spend a lot of time in the corporate world, right? You were a pastor's kid and are doing ministry in a very intentionally lay-driven way. Um I grew up all over the state moving around with my dad being a pastor. And so in some ways, even though we're like demographically pretty likely friends, it's still kind of wild how we all wound up working together here. Sure, yeah. Uh, and Mitch and I have talked about we probably would not be friends unless we were here. Without Jesus. Without, really. without Jesus. Brother, that's what it boiled down. There's a whole episode about <laughs> about how Keith and I wouldn't be friends without Jesus. Uh, and the definitely layman's, some repentance The layman's online. podcast, making friends, but barely. <laughs> barely. Yeah, <laughs> barely, barely making the cut. So from a demographic standpoint, you know, we're, we're both about the same age. We're both married. We both have kids. We live in the same town. We enjoy some of the same things uh but we're yet we're wildly different that if we ever met we probably wouldn't be friends mm -hmm. if it wasn't and for, the first time we met we weren't well that's true and so there's anyway, a very long story about i think that. Uh, i think everybody you could put that link in the comments we should put the link in the comment section but, um so yeah so it's really about um what even though on paper everybody may seem like friends you you really you really may not be so it's really that that um that catalyst between because you you go to church here that you kind of end up becoming friends even though you're 
you're not really you wouldn't outside of it. That's right, and that's that's a massive part of our vision in a world where we're more secluded, even though we're more digitally connected, and things are just so much more partisan and. If you're not with me, you're against me, and all the vitriol and lines we draw, you know, that's all, I think, pretty well documented. So we're trying to swim upstream in a world where that's the norm. Right. So do you want to catch up on the, as we continue through the frame here, do you want to jump through values or onto strategy? Let's do values. Let's get into it. Uh, We want to value the things that Jesus valued. And so we've tried to model what it is our churches holds up the most. Mm Which, again, there's lots of options, but if you have yeah. 27 values, you probably don't have any. Right. That's what this process does is it helps you pare down and focus. Not that that's the exhaustive list, but it helps you. Define... Well, you also, you also want people to remember it. Sure. If you have like that's 50 right. things, like it's hard, to, it's hard to remember what you're – so if you're in an elevator and you got two minutes to talk right. to somebody about what your, what your church is, you mm-hmm. can't rattle off 50 things that you're all, you value, yeah. right? Well, and that sets me up to not talk about this for 50 minutes. <laughs> that's right. And if you're on an elevator, you're probably not in Kearney. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's, uh, that's probably point. highly I never accurate. thought of that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're, we got, got more than one stoplight. right? We got more than one stoplight, but only two elevators. Oh. <laughs> maybe at the Mr. Dell plant? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. A lot of taters. Not a grain elevator. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, does that count? No, there, I, there's got to be an elevator oh there gosh. at some point, right? Shipping um, elevator. So our first value is biblical faith. That's what we want to give people. In the book of John, it says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing that you would find life in his name. So that's what we want to do is give people that biblical faith. There's a lot of things that could take the spot on the church marquee. And to me, this is number one, discipleship mm-hmm. to Jesus. That's, what, that's the one thing... We want to give people most is biblical faith, not just when we say find life in his name, not just later on after they croak, mm, yeah. but now. Yep. A, a, a abundant life that begins now and extends into eternity. The second piece that we value is real community. And we've tried to define that pretty simply. In the book of Romans, it says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And in the book of Hebrews, it says that we should be building one another up. Just real Two quick examples. My daughter had a dental surgery last week. Now, sometimes it's because I'm the pastor and and I'm well-connected with folks here. But, man, I had folks drop off gifts on my doorstep for her. You guys texted me. I had people checking in on my daughter. That's what we mean by real community. Yeah, and I could share examples of this really happening within the congregation of folks reaching out to each other. But they're not here to share that right. story themselves, so we're not going to. Yep. So that's, that's what we want is those real-life moments. Uh, last night, we went to uh, the senior night of one of our girls here at church who babysits my two kids, and she's, she walks on water in our house. And it was so awesome to be Are you two- serious? Wow. <laughs> it's an expression. Why do you have oh. water all over your floor? <laughs> uh, it's a biblical idiom, gentlemen. That's why oh, I'm here oh, to bestow gotcha. upon you. That's actually that's a part of our layman's term is to be biblical idioms. That's, that's a, one that's of right. our goals. <laughs> you better watch what you say. Uh and it was so great to hoot and holler for her, and it was just really neat. And I was also told that you don't actually hoot and holler for individual players. Right, it's a team yeah, sport. team thing. So so that's real community. Uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn, building each other up. And that's that piece of our Wesleyan heritage where he says that we should gather people together uh, close-knitly in a close-knit way so they can watch over one another in love. And, you yeah. know, Jesus really represented that with, with the disciples. That's and right. Those, those small groups, a tight community. Yep. He drew people together in 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 ways that were 
I've heard it called life on life, um, where the rubber meets the road. That's where we want real community to happen. And our last one is selfless service. You know, Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Mm. And we don't want to be a church where all this is just for us. We want to we want to be outward facing and serve the world in the same posture as Jesus. So those are our values, biblical faith, real community, and selfless service. And those kind of – so the, the advantage of the vision frame is it helps you clarify these things. Right. Those dovetail super easy into our strategy. Okay, yeah. Yep, which is to – no, grow, and go. Boom. That's right. And, I, you know, for me, that's not like when we say those three words, I'm sure we're not the first church to do no, that. No, probably not even in our zip code. But. Right. But some of it is, are we really wanting Wait, to innovate? Other people, other people in our zip code have no grow and go? They probably don't have as many t-shirts, though. No, they don't. Okay, well. Phew. So we got well, At least there. we, we got, got the there. t-shirts. Got the market cornered. But to know Christ, right, that's biblical faith. To grow together, that's real community, and then to go serve, serve the world, that's selfless yeah. service. So it matches it matches up that's right. really well. We are tr- we having we try having a plan to do this stuff. And I think it's great. I I mean, you can't underestimate that what if you didn't have a plan right. in ministry? You're just right. out bobbing around bobbing around the ocean of the ministry world yes. without a direction, without a course set, without a without a plan or path to get there. And there's because there's no shortage of great ways to do this. Yeah, right. There's right. there's a million of them. For us though, it's we've tried to clarify around that. And to use your analogy, now we've gone from food to uh, sports to nautical themes. Ooh, nautical. I remember you saying, you know, coming out of COVID, you know, it's not like. Uh, what did you say? So we don't have to write the ship. Ship. We need to set the sail. Yeah, we're not sinking. We just right. we got a great uh, a great uh, vessel that is seaworthy. Yes. Um, and it's you, been it's anchored man- for a while. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what I like, what I actually like about the no grow grow and go is we talk about it a lot. With like, you may have an idea to do something, and then we'll discuss it. Well, does it help people? No. Jesus, does it help people grow together? Does it help people right. and go and serve the world? And sometimes we're like, uh, it doesn't do any of those things. So why are, so we, why doing? are we doing it? Mm. Right. Or it's great if y'all want to do that, but this is what we're going to commit our right. time and put our energy, energy put into. Put our energy right. into That's it. Right. It's, it's, and, and the more of those uh, pieces of the strategy that you can get into one idea or one thing or one event or whatever, then the then the better that, um, that thing is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, hey, I'm ready then to let's give let's give that thirty thousand foot view of these journeys mm-hmm. um, because I, I I love this part. We're really leaning into this this year. We're gonna, um, you know, this is where more energy's headed towards mm-hmm. uh, on getting some of this verbiage out there. So I'm really excited for the folks out there to to wrap their mind around these journeys. So how do we how do we know that it's working? That's right. Right. And this comes back to that question we had around the mission to make disciples. Well, what constitutes a disciple? So this is, in some ways, the answer to that question. So for us, we define these as a series of journeys that people go on Mm. in their faith. These are the essentials. I don't think it's an exhaustive list, but we think this is a great essential list for people to know, okay, what is it we're shooting for here? When do we know we've made some spiritual progress? And so we've tried to define them as journeys between A and B. Uh, so the first one is a journey of repentance and reconciliation. So this first one's kind of a two-parter because we both 
go from enemies of God to friends of God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, the scripture says, uh, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. That's Romans 5.10. That one I did have to read. Um, <laughs> and, and then later, Jesus tells his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. What a great picture yeah. that we've gone from enemies of God to friends of God. And so we want to be on that journey of repentance with our relationship to God. We've gone from enemies to friends. And then that journey turns from like vertically with God to horizontally, outwardly with our neighbor, that we we want to be people that are reconciled mm. to our neighbors, going mm. from enemies to friends. And that comes back to the unlikely friends right. piece. When you have more distrust and, and more villainization of people on the other side of whatever aisle you want to set up, we need to bridge that gap. And so that reconciliation piece is really important. So that's the first journey, moving from enemies to friends. Um, the second one is a journey of desire and that's going from having a self-centered kind of life and set of desires to being Christ-centered. I Which think, might be one of the hardest. Right. And that's why these are journeys. Do. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. These, I mean, these are, you got all this, you get all this, uh, bombardment of, I, I always think about this radio commercial, uh, it's a travel agency, right? And they're always like, you deserve that's a right. great vacation. That's right. It's like, well, no, I, I actually don't deserve it. I think you, you know? do. But... Well, anyway. Or think uh, Burger King, that's their whole thing. You rule. Yeah, you rule. Yeah, right? you rule. You're the king. It's You're you, the queen. You, yep. you, you, you. That's right? right. And and to clear it up, you know, we're going through these, we're ticking them off, one through five here on these journeys, but they're not... They're not independent. You don't go from one and then you take on to the next step. Right, right. It's yes. all it's all, all working. They're all simultaneous. They're almost like like sliders, that, right? Yeah, you I like can, that. You can you, you can dial up the you can dial up the becoming a friend of God with with you know as that's growing maybe self centeredness is is still kind of low right. and you're you got to go spin that plate uh, yeah. before too long. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And Ruth Haley Barden said that it is your desire uh, to reach for more of God that is the most important thing about you. Um, the scripture I love about this one is I do need to check it. It's Psalm 37, four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what this journey is about is when you delight in the Lord, you begin to desire the things God delights in. Right. Mm -hmm. So many people, um, read that that. and they're like, oh, I get whatever I want, you know? No, no, that's not, that's, that's not it. What you want is going to change. Changing your mind to being what you want to what God wants. Yeah, that's right. And again, like y'all said, these are journeys. They're not, these aren't the same, a checklist. Um, that third one uh, is a journey of forgiveness where we go from being forgiven by God to forgiving others. Jesus tells a story about someone who had a massive debt forgiven by their master, by their king, and then they they get off scot free, and then they you know they were forgiven millions of dollars, and they have someone thrown in jail for twenty bucks. Right. And so Jesus is trying to get us to see we should forgive others as as we've been forgiven by God. That's a big one. Um, that's in uh, from my own faith journey, something that's been really important, and and so that's just one of the things I always try to emphasize. Um, this next one is going from consumer to contributor. It's a journey of generosity. And these are maybe some of the less fun conversations because talking about money is always everybody's favorite subject. But as we grow in our discipleship, we start to look at our resources as more than just ours. Mm. And so, again, it's that outward bent uh, as, as, as we've been hopefully nurtured and brought up here. We need to recognize, hey, the stuff I've received, I want to turn around and contribute to. 
Uh, and that's kind of related to this last one, which is a journey of leadership. And I love this image that the leadership team came up with. It's like going from being a guest to being a host. Mm. Uh, I know that um, we we all like share f- pictures of meals we cook in our spare time. Uh, when's the last time you guys hosted like Thanksgiving or Christmas or any any family event? Every, Thanksgiving. Every year. Every year, right. By the end of your relatives leaving, are you energized or exhausted? <laughs> Usually exhausted. Usually trying to... Uh, kick them out. No, I'm not really yeah. trying yeah. to kick but them out. But it's a good exhaustion. Yeah. It's That's fun. True. Yep, it is. It's, it's fun. It's I, w- I would say uh, for us, the most stressful part is like finishing up right before the meal, like trying to get sure. everything like hot and to the table yeah. at the same time is like when uh, a divorce could take place in <laughs> oh my life. You were singing my song. You know, so yeah. I, I have to back up and yeah. just be like, what do you want me to do? And then get like bossed around for like 10 minutes. Just, just, yeah. And then just Embrace let, it, it. let it go. Embrace it. You know? My in-laws, I try to give them like a 30 minute start. Yeah. Like, all right guys, dinner will be ready. 30 minutes, 10 minutes. Okay, wash it. Get kids, get your hands washed. Five minutes. Okay, everybody, grab your drinks. And then I've been cooking for eight hours, and right, then nothing. Right. And so what everybody's I'm, just sitting around talking. Yeah, here's my move. Go ahead and make yourself a plate, and just start passing oh aggressively <laughs> eating right in front of them. So I'm, I'm now I'm getting a little long winded, but well, here's yeah. our here's a strategy we've employed. Now mm. that the kids are a little older, right, mm-hmm. and they're playing with their cousins, we don't have like toddler. We're not actually like manually feeding, feeding children anymore. anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely forget about them. Hey, adults, let's have dinner. And then the kids will come back around and be like, like you guys are eating. What's, what's going, going on? on? You're like, yeah, grab some food. Two-phased approach. I like that. <laughs> Instead, Because traditionally, historically, it's all like, queue up the kids, right. walk uh-huh. them through the line. Now it's like, mm, you guys are on your own. You're all That's playing right. football. I mean, I still have a little one. So. Have a good time. You know. Yeah, so, we'll be interested to see how that threshold goes. <laughs> so, yeah, the fourth time you're running the dishwasher... And you're like, yeah. okay, I'm definitely hosting. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad I have a dishwasher. <laughs> that's right. But that's really the image you go from. It's it's much easier to enjoy a meal at someone's house than to be the host. Definitely. And, and part of the journey of discipleship is stepping into that leadership role and being willing to sacrifice some of your experience so yeah. that someone else can have a good experience. Yeah. And the only thing I add to that one is I think it's that it's – that, uh, energy you can put into making someone else's experience even better than the your early experience yes. your first experience Le- it's learning always from pro- your experience and it's then always process improvement yeah. always yes. improvement and in the, the 45 minutes before your family gets there or frankly before a small group meeting you're vacuuming like crazy thinking why did i do this yeah and then by the time they're leaving or you know when you finally sit down in that evening you're like man i'm so glad we did this and so it takes a little more work but it's it's uh, there's even more reward there for sure. Yeah. So this is great, and I hope everyone out there um, has enjoyed enjoys kind of these going through this vision frame stuff. And as we um, go into the kind of final portions of the show here today, um, I want to talk a little bit about future mm-hmm. because um, because our community is growing. At, crazy growth and it's been that way for a while but you have some recent numbers on projections also right yeah in the next five years our zip code 6460 is projected to grow 11 percent from eighteen thousand and change to twenty thousand and change and see that's real that's yeah that's, you know and, if it, I, and it grew what 30 some odd percent in the past five years or whatever over the past 20 years 20 yeah. years yeah mm-hmm. so like in a very short period of time yep. i mean you hear 20 years and you're like that's a long time but honestly in the 
in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. it's al- it's going to almost double in size. Yep. Yeah, my neighbor, uh, if I can do a little, back in my day. Back that's in right. my uh, day. You know, whenever we moved to town, um, we had neighbors telling us that, oh, yeah, when they moved here 20 years ago, they you know, we live off the 92 Highway corridor and pulling out of the neighborhood. They would often just pull out without even looking that's and be right. like, huh, didn't look for traffic. The same intersection, well, I will sit there sometimes for five minutes yep. yeah. because Before I can't get, get a clearing either direction. That's right. So massive growth we've already experienced, and there's more to come. Well, and I think there's a corollary here. Our friend George has said, everybody wants to be the last person to move to Kearney. Ooh. Right. 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 So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to get any great. bigger. Such a great George line. Any bigger. That's no, right. No, can't get bigger. I, I love it. I love it small, and I love that I got to join. There's a corollary, and y'all know where I'm going. The same thing can happen in the church. Yeah. Well, we just we just think the church is getting too big. Well, I know I know I know people. I I know someone in particular that went to a church. It got bigger. They left. Went to a church. It got bigger. They That's left, right. and they just bounced in churches every five years. But they didn't mind when they made room right. for them. Exactly. That's right. Ooh, woo, spicy. So with this with this kind of this rapidly growing local local mission field. Um, what is, what's kind of the, what's on the horizon? What's the plan to respond to the community growth? I think we need to be even more intentional about that last piece of going, that this is a place where we come and we're equipped and and we're supported and we're encouraged, but we got to turn around and head back out into the world because there'll be more and more people to reach. Uh, when our community is growing and our church is growing, we have a responsibility. Uh, it's we, we we if we're at least if we're not keeping up with the growth of the community, that's yeah. like the minimum yeah. we should be right. experiencing. And and you know we have this concept of there's kind of two funnels. We want to funnel people into the church, and that's pretty uh, well experienced at most churches. Everybody wants to hopefully receive folks and welcome them. But what about that other funnel where we're not just taking people and receiving them from the community, but actively taking them from our church and sending them back right. out. Yep. And and that's really what we want to do is it's connected to this vision frame uh, that we can help people go into the world by understanding their God-given gifts and how to use them to serve. Uh, we can help them uh, know folks uh, that, that they can build relationships with. Uh, we, again, really want them to experience who can they call when life happens in, in that real urgent sense? Uh, and then finally, how can we help people grow to their faith, grow their faith to a place where they're actually comfortable sharing their faith journey with someone else to help them know Jesus. And then so in that way it becomes this cycle. Um, so in some ways it seems pretty simple, but all this is as easier said than done. Um, because we are, like I said, going upstream in a world, which is increasingly, um, what word do I want to use? I won't say cynical, probably just apathetic towards a lot of what we're trying to do here. Uh, getting somebody to sign up for following Jesus. Hey, who's, who wants to pick up their cross today? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know. That's, I don't even want to stack my own chair. <laughs> that's right. That's a tough pitch sometimes. <laughs> and and uh, to be going on these journeys where in one sense, you know, you're received just as you are. But as this, the well-known saying goes, God also loves you enough to not want you to stay there either. Yeah, and I think for me, and I could be completely wrong, but I'm probably not, but I could be. Uh, 
some of it's like a generational thing too, where like our, I feel like what we want from church t- today is different than maybe what people mm. wanted when my grandparents went to church, right? Um, when I think back to the experience that, you know, my grandparents and, and, uh, and beyond had, it was, that was the place to come and worship God. And that mm-hmm. was, and, and they had the community within there, but never didn't necessarily really go out except to bring more people in versus what we're really trying to do is go out and influence the world around us mm-hmm. to be more like Jesus without necessarily saying, come to church, come to yeah. church, come yeah. to church, come to church to change. We're trying to influence the world around us, whether or not they come to church or not. Yeah. Uh, the, if the point of the church is just to get more people into that first side of the funnel, right? that's not compelling or, or inspiring or anything. Uh, the other piece I would add to what you said is, you know, for a lot and long time in the early to mid 20th century, in some cases, the church was the biggest show in town. Sure. Yeah. We got all kind yeah. of options. You, you don't even got to leave your house to get spiritual content yeah. now. So uh, how can we differentiate ourselves from all the other options people can have? And the beauty of this is the vision frame is how we've committed to try and do that. So in the next in the next year, you got any little nuggets for us? Any any teasers about what maybe leadership teams gonna oh, be? Man. What are they What are they like visioning? Or is yeah, that, is, that, is, there the more to, is there more to come? I'll have to go a year from now and see if uh, the tease actually happened. Huh? Yeah, that's right. That's right. A little insider baseball there. I think I think an avenue towards invitation to people is coming alongside them in these milestones of life, Mm. the birth of a child or the death of a loved one, or when they reach a new phase, their kids are going to school or they're empty nesters, Mm -hmm. or they have some type of um, crisis, whether that's an illness or some type of traumatic thing to where rather than saying, Hey, y'all come to us. We can, we can use our network to say, Hey, kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, how can we come alongside you? There's, I just can't shake this concept of milestones and using these crucial, I'm trying not to use the word seasons to sound like a you know basic Christian, but to use these these times in life when people are really open to um, to needing God or to being celebrated, to celebrate these high points of life and to support them mm. um, when it's tough. So I think there's a there's a lot ahead in my mind in terms of utilizing these milestones as pathways um, to embracing. Uh, the love of God. It's awesome. Well, That's Adam, it. thank you for yeah. joining us today and bringing a little uh, little legitimacy, little to credibility, a little, little, credibility. <laughs> little credibility to the Layman's Term podcast. We're so glad yeah, to I have you. I haven't done this yet. Oh, give him a bobble. <laughs> Got it. A little bobble. All right. <laughs> so, uh, hope you enjoyed. See you guys next time. Later. Thanks, y'all.